And um, it's John chapter 20 and verse 24. If you want to follow it in your Bibles, it will also appear on the screen as well. Uh, the little heading in my Bible, it says, Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then John kind of sums up uh, his gospel, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We thank God for his word. If I was to ask you uh, what you knew about Thomas, the disciple, um, I guess you'd know a few things about Thomas if you've read the Bible and read those passages. Uh, you'd know how many of you know he has a nickname, a um, bit rough on him really, the doubter. Hands up if you'd know that about Thomas. Okay. It's probably the most well-known thing about Thomas. Uh, you'll know from this reading that he was a twin. That was a bit obvious, wasn't it? So if you were storing that one away, that one's gone as well. You know he was one of the twelve appointed by Jesus. And you may know or may not know that church tradition takes Thomas to India with the gospel in the late 50s. And he dies in India according to church tradition. So that's Thomas. I have a soft spot for Thomas um, among the disciples. I, I kind of really like Thomas. Have you ever felt that you've missed out? can be on <laughs> anything. I reckon Thomas felt a bit like that. That Easter Sunday when he was missing. And Jesus appeared to the disciples. Some of the most beautiful passages in the New Testament are those resurrection appearances of Jesus. They're just told in the most wonderful, touching ways. The, the encounter Peter has later on in John. 
by the Sea of Galilee when he walks and Jesus walks with him and he asks those questions of him, do you love me? The way that Jesus encounters Mary outside the tomb when she's weeping and, and she doesn't know where they put Jesus and he just calls her name. Or the two on the Emmaus Road uh, that Luke tells us about on that first Easter Sunday, how Jesus comes alongside them and, and he walks with them and he listens to them and then he reveals himself to them. They are beautiful passages and they just show Jesus in the most wonderful light and his love and his compassion for his friends. And so this passage about Thomas I wonder if you can remember, if you've come to that point in your journey of faith, when you first understood, when you first comprehended, when you first declared that Jesus was God. Can you remember that? Or was it a gradual thing? For some of us, it might be a revelation we had and we suddenly knew Jesus was God, is God. But for others, it's sometimes a gradual dawning. And these wonderful words of Jesus in verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. They're really wonderful, reassuring words for us who have not seen the risen Lord Jesus as the early disciples saw. But in these final chapters of John's Gospel, John, who writes his gospel last of all, he brings it full circle. When you read John's gospel from start to finish, he starts and he finishes in the same place by declaring Jesus is God. He set out to tell us about Jesus, his Lord, his Savior, the man he met by the Sea of Galilee, the man he followed for three years the man that he gave his life to follow. In verse 31, we read it. He tells us why he wrote the gospel, why he wrote this book, so that you and I may believe in Jesus and that we might have life in his name. So from the majestic opening verses of John's gospel, which is so different than the other gospels, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And that's how it begins. And then we come to this passage near the end of His Gospel where He writes down for us. And I'm so grateful that He did this account of Thomas. When Thomas declares... As he looks at Jesus, you're my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Thomas is the first person in John's gospel to look at Jesus and address Jesus with that definition, that ascription, God, to him. It's what John has been getting round to from the very beginning. And in his story, his account of Jesus' life, that's where he's been leading us. This astounding news that Jesus of Nazareth, the man that they walked with, talked with, 
laughed with was none other than God in the flesh. It means, as John explains in the opening verses of his letter, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this Jesus is God. It's breathtaking, really. I remember the first time I really believed it. Jesus is God. And every time the Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door, that's where I go to. Jesus is God. He's not a God. He is God in the flesh. So John shares that that Jesus he walked with and talked with and laughed with has always been and will forever be God. And he is incarnate in flesh and blood. So John tells us this story from Galilee to Jerusalem back and forth. And there are moments of glory and moments of gloom. And they're all woven together until they meet at the cross. And John was there, remember, at the cross. And then that first Easter and the appearances of Jesus. Because Easter changes everything. Nothing else will ever be the same again. If anything proves the divinity of Jesus, it is the resurrection from the dead. Of all the other religious leaders that you might follow in this world, of all the other things that you might give your faith to, and everyone believes in something, even the ones who tell me they believe in nothing, they believe in nothing, which is quite an amazing step of faith. Everything changes because of the resurrection. Jesus conquered the grave. And on that first Easter evening, he walked into that room with the disciples and he spoke with them. But Thomas wasn't there. He was missing. And in the passage we read, we're a week on. And the spotlight falls on Thomas. And I am so, so grateful that John included this story. Imagine being Thomas for that week. Just, for, just in your own imagination. Imagine being Thomas for that week. Hearing them all say, he was Jesus. He was here. He was alive. He showed us his hands and his side. He's alive, Thomas. And, and you might be the kind of personality that would say, well, Thomas should have just gone, yes, that's brilliant but I'm the kind of personality that would have said I really missed out there have you never been there when everyone else has got blessed and you haven't everyone else seems to be encountering Jesus and you don't and you're not tempted just a little bit to say mm. or are you the one the really holy ones oh bless them they're really encountering Jesus oh thank you God that you're really meeting with them and them and them and not me but that doesn't matter there's a tiny part of us that says I missed out there for a whole week hearing the excitement and the elation of the other disciples we've seen the Lord those two annoying people who are on the Emmaus road Thomas we met him on the road and he broke bread it was amazing Tom 
Now, I'm probably reading things into it, but I'm trying to get into under the skin of Thomas. He's forever been dubbed the doubter because of what comes next. And he makes a statement, and maybe he shouldn't have, but I'm so glad he did. Unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. And I reckon John, in his wisdom, includes this story about Thomas for all those who will come afterwards who say, well, it's all right for you, John, you saw him. And he includes these words, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus prays a special blessing on us. As we walk in faith and stepped out in faith, that moment when we responded to his call on our lives. Thomas just happened to be the one who was somewhere else on that first Easter Sunday. We don't know where he was. You could see it positively and say he was the only one with the courage to leave the room. To go outside. We don't know where he went. And I think Thomas does actually respond as you would expect him to if you've just traced the few details that we know about him in the Gospels. He is that dour, dogged disciple who when Jesus says, we're going to Jerusalem, when they hear about Lazarus who has died, and and Jesus says, we're going to Jerusalem, and Thomas says, okay, we might as well go with him to die with him. He wasn't the most optimistic disciple. Or when Jesus talks about this wonderful place and he talks about trusting in God, trust also in me in my father's house and many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place and you know the way, don't you? And they're all going. And Thomas is the only one with the courage to say, but we don't know the way. And Jesus says the most amazing words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Because Thomas said, we don't know. I'm really grateful for Thomas. Imagine not having those words. How many times have those words of Jesus fed us and lifted us? And I'm sure everybody else was thinking of it. This determined disciple was determined not to be taken in. This doubter Yes, he does make that bold statement, I won't believe unless. But I think for me as I read it, and and obviously I read myself into it as well, it's that feeling of missing out. I want to see Jesus too. I want to touch his hands. I want to touch his side. And the beauty of this is that Jesus comes for Thomas with those amazing words for us as well.
And you notice as John goes and uh, just tells the last bit of his gospel, Thomas is with them in Galilee. He's not going to leave them again. He's not going to miss out again. He's going to be with them. He's there by the lake when they go fishing. They catch nothing and they see Jesus on the shore. He's with them. We're told that Jesus came again. The the doors were locked. Jesus came again. And stood among them and said, peace be with you. That wonderful, deep Hebrew word, shalom. Peace with God, safety, contentment, healing, salvation, hope, all in that one word. And then he turns and looks at Thomas and he says, okay, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas believed. And he declares, my Lord and my God. Jesus came to Thomas. I don't know if Jesus came with a stern approach to Thomas or with a wry smile for Thomas. I don't read it harshly. Thomas is one of his friends. And he's saying, it's true, Thomas. I'm risen. And this Jesus, who Thomas would have walked with as well and talked with, is the risen Lord Jesus. He's the same yet different. He has just come through locked doors. That's amazing. If, uh, if we just locked the front door and back doors and everything, and uh, if Jesus just came through that wall, it would be amazing. Trust me, it would be amazing. He was the same, yet different. They could touch him, and he still had the marks in his hands and his side, yet he was different. That body, the grave clothes, couldn't contain any longer. The life the grave couldn't hold anymore. The life that death couldn't contain, locked doors couldn't keep out. And in these resurrection appearances, Jesus comes and goes as though he belongs both in our world and to a wholly different place. And it's that glimpse of a resurrection body that we will one day have. If there is a template for the resurrection body that you and I are going to have, this is it. This is the body of Jesus risen from the dead. It is the same yet different. And we are going to be clothed in resurrection bodies. And we can't imagine what it's going to be like. When was that moment of revelation for you? When was that moment when you said, Jesus, yes, I believe you are my Lord and my God, and you nailed it down? And don't forget, you have to keep nailing it down. John shares his own moment of revelation. He describes it in chapter 20 just before when he and Peter ran to the empty tomb and and John outruns Peter but doesn't go in and then Peter goes straight in and finally John goes in and he sees the grave clothes all folded, especially the ones wrapped around Jesus' head. They were all folded as if Jesus had just come through them. I remember that there was a revelation and I'd, I'd read that many, many times. But there was a moment 
And it was an Easter Sunday night. And I was at Orpington Baptist Church. And I sat there and I believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. And I believed that he was God. I remember it. And it was those grave clothes. Because he'd just come through them. Maybe there was a moment of revelation for you. A moment when you would say, yes, I believe. Not based on the circumstances. Not based on the, the ups and downs of our lives. But based on your faith and who you're trusting and who you're believing Jesus to be. No, they didn't understand it fully, no. And we don't understand it fully yet. But I don't see these words of Jesus to Thomas as a rebuke as so much as an encouragement to Thomas, but also an encouragement to all of us who would believe on the testimony of the disciples. And the amazing work of the Holy Spirit, of course. We are blessed when without seeing Jesus we have believed. And John has come full circle in his gospel now. The word who was with God, who was God, is now declared as by Thomas to be God. He is the image of the invisible God, says Paul. The writer to the Hebrews says Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The light and the life of God have come in Jesus Christ. And the resurrection is what happens when a creator God comes himself to restore and to heal a broken and lost world. If Jesus had died on the cross and they'd buried him and he had stayed in the grave, the world would not have changed. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. We're tempted from time to time to think nothing's changed, but everything has changed because death is defeated. Death is defeated. We look to the cross and we give thanks for the revelation of the cost that our salvation and forgiveness was purchased at. We look to the resurrection for that new creation has begun. With the resurrection of Jesus, a new creation has begun. And this world will be made new. Don't think for a moment that this world is just going to somehow just fall apart and blow up one day or just be destroyed by all our pollution and everything. Jesus is coming back here. We're not going to be floating around on clouds forevermore. Jesus is coming back here. And he's going to make all things new. It's going to be a new creation, a heaven and earth together. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. But he's coming back again. I make all things new. The restoration is on and we're part of it. He has made us new creations and that's what we are. You are a new creation in Christ. You're a work in progress. No, you're not the finished article. But when he comes again, 
as John tells us, we will be like him. And we will see him as he is. And we will see him face to face. Our Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. What a glorious gospel. What a glorious Jesus. What hope we have in our hearts. Jesus is God with the Father and the Holy Spirit, no question. We believe in the Trinity. But Jesus is God, and we worship him. Let's pray together. Ask the band to come back as we're going to respond in worship. Lord, we thank you for that first Easter Sunday. We thank you for the passage.